Good evening. It's a great pleasure and honor to come here to Lev Aaron Yeshiva in Arnof, Yerushalayim. Every once in a while we're getting charged together. You are charging me and I hope I'm charging you. Yesterday I spoke in the Yeshiva Nezer Israel for Israelis. It came out so good that maybe I should give the same speech here, but this time in English. I asked them, what do you want me to talk about? They say, you should speak about Hakarata Tov. But of course, I mixed it with other things. Why, we sh- why I should speak about Hakarata Tov? Because this is a subject that many Bnei Torah are not aware of. They basically appreciate nothing. They don't appreciate their parents, they don't appreciate their rabbis, they don't appreciate their chevruta, they don't appreciate. They, they grew up in such an American mentality that everybody owes me. Today it's also 100% Israeli mentality. It's everywhere. But, you know, everyone around me has to serve me. Therefore, whatever they give me, they had to give me, and if they don't give me, shame on them. That's basically what it is. We saw in the parasha, we will see Bezrat Hashem, that uh, we're starting now a new Sefer, Sefer Shmot, and uh, Bnei Israel finally coming down to Mitzrayim, Shivim Nafesh. They're going to be there for 210 years. They'll come out more than 3 million. Shisha Bekeres Echad. And the Egyptians... They're starting to panic. Vayako Melech Hadash, a new king, came into power. There's machloket in Igmara if it was really a new king, or it's the same king, but just came up with new decrees, Shenit Hatshuk Zerotav. Either way, whether it was a new paro or it's the same paro, one thing we do know that is extremely ungrateful person. If it's the same paro, Yosef saved you, saved Mitzrayim, gave you all the money of the world. You became the richest king in the history of the world. The whole world had to buy food from you and gave you all their property. Save your country from death, from starvation. 80 years control all the money. 80 years. Being 100% honest. Never took for himself. Where would you find such a person? And you owe him so much. So the same king now is going to say, you know what, we have to put the Jews, the children of Yosef and his brothers, we have to put them in uh, working camps? How is how something like this is possible? If it's a new king, then nafkamina. You didn't see what Yosef did for Mitzrayim? You came into power. How do you dare? How do you dare to make such a decree? Now I want to ask you a question. Let's try to analyze it together. You have a country named Germany now. The Germans are very paranoid now because Germany is becoming full of Turkish Muslims. They run from Turkey. Their money is worthless there. And they're all coming to Germany and flooding 
Germany with Turkish Muslim people. Therefore, they want masks, they pray on the streets, then Arabs are coming, and then terror is rising. So the Germans come and say, what should we do before we lose our country? Let's try to prepare, prepare the solution before the, the problem becomes inevitable. What is wrong with such an ideology? You have cancer growing inside your country, strangers, people from a different nation, they take over the country. You have as a leader to stop it before it's too late. If a person has a little growth, right, cancer begin, if they catch it within a month, they will be very easy to remove it. It's a little tiny dot. Cease. They can remove it. Once it spreads everywhere, kidney, liver, here, there, stomach, it's too late to save the person. When uh, the family of Yosef came, Yosef told them, you all have to say that you're shepherds and you came because of the sheep, you came to take care of the sheep because I want the Egyptians to hate you. Why? When the Goim hates you, they don't want to be involved with you. That's what's going to save the future of the Jewish nation. So I will ask for the land of Goshen. We will place you in an isolated place. You won't have to get mixed with them. Everyone will stay Jewish. Yuda already prepared the yeshiva as Yaakov sent him. Everything is ready for the Jews. They don't have to live in Egypt. It's like their own country. And I will supply to you all your needs. So far, so good. Everything was perfect. But what can we do that the Jews, they, it, wasn't, it was not enough for them. They wanted to move and live in Egypt. So what does the Torah say? Malar etzotam. They moved all over. Now they live here and they live there. And every Egyptian who comes out of his home, what does he see? Immigrants. Another Jew, another one, another one, another... Excuse me, what are you doing here? We came here. Where do you live? Where were you until now? We lived in the land of Goshen. So why you moved over here? Why you buy real estate? Why are you taking over the country? They're going crazy now. Now they say, we have to do an emergency meeting. Paro and all his advisors. We have cancer growing inside our society. So let's try to stop it before it's too late. What's the solution? The solution is... The solution is... If it's going to be a war... They will make a, they will become an ally with our enemies and they'll make a revolution over here. They'll take over. And what's going to be with us? They'll kill us all. And this country, our country, will be stolen. Similar to what happened in France. The Muslims stole France from the French. That's it. France is already an Arab country. Even though officially, by the book... 15% of the French citizens are Muslim. That's by the book. 
But if you count all the illegal immigrants from Algeria, Morocco, Turkey, uh, all these countries, it's probably 30%. That means from every 100 people on the street, 30 of them at least are Muslims that hate France. Not just Muslim. Hate France. They refuse to hold their flag. They hate their culture. Now there was soccer games. There was a game between Morocco and France. Everybody took Morocco's side. When they lost, they made riots. 200,000 Muslims, hunking, burning. They hate France. How they arrived to France, the French brought it on themselves. It's very, very similar to what happened in Egypt. There's a reason why I'm using France as an example. The French people, they went to Africa to occupy African countries. They went to Algeria, they went to Morocco, they occupied those areas. They forced them to start speaking French. We are the rulers of here. We came, we stole the country from you. We are in charge, just like the British came here or the Turkish over a hundred years ago. The French wanted to occupy the world. So they came to another country and another country and another country. They took control of the country, and now they speak French, so they want everybody to speak French. So they taught the African blacks to speak French. There were Africans, Nigerians, they were speaking other languages. You have to speak French, and you have to send your kids to school, and over there they will learn how to speak French. Because there's nothing the French people hate more than to speak a foreign language. In Montreal, they don't even make signs in English. You're not welcome here. We don't want tourists. Don't come here, Americans. They refuse to put English. Unbelievable. Why? They do not want to ruin their French culture. Quebec. Toronto is a different story. They almost separated the two countries. Toronto and... uh, This is, uh, you know... So they, they want to occupy your country and force you to speak their language. No problem. It worked for them for decades. The Moroccans became French. They speak French. Algerians, Tunisians, African countries. Now when the economy is bad over there, where are they running to? To a country that they will know the language. Everybody started to come to France. It's a boomerang. You think you're smart. Whatever you prepare will turn against you like a boomerang. Same thing United States prepare Bin Laden to fight the Russian, and he turned against the Americans. The Twin Towers and all the Americans trained them and gave them weapons to give hard time to the Russians. And in the end, they went against America. Because you can't trust this kind of people. Their ideology, their, their religion, they hate everybody. doesn't matter, American, French, Jews, they hate everybody. Everyone that does not become like them has to die. That's the ideology of the Islam. Every place they stepped, even for a week, they control it forever. They want it forever. You stole it from us. What do you mean? You were only here for a week. That belongs to us. They think Spain belongs to them. Every place that they were there, it's ours. That's the way they look at it. So what happened now? Because all these Moroccans and Tunisian and Algerian and African blacks came to France, it's no longer France. 
now the French people are waking up. If you know a little bit about the politics, there was a Nazi one, Le Pen, now his daughter is not as Nazi as him. But they want to fight this immigration. It's too late. Because the cancer is now all over France. Same thing happening now in Egypt. So what do you want from the Egyptian? HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a very honest God. He's not coming betrunia against someone that tried to protect his future, protect his property. If somebody comes to steal your property, what should you do? Cooperate with him? Or try to do everything to defend yourself? If a thief comes into your house in the middle of the night, you're allowed to kill him. If you're already on the way out, that's a different story. But if he's inside, you are not, you're not guilty. So now, the Egyptians got nervous. We gave you the land of Goshen, great hospitality. We helped you. We supplied you with food for so many decades. Now you're moving into our country and buying all the real estate? No. What should they have done? Should have told them, go back to Goshen. We give you two or three months. Go back to where you came from. If not, we will put you in concentration camps or slavery camps. But they, give, they should have given them some time. Immediately they said, no, it's too late. We have to do something about it. So now, because they did what every normal leader should have done, the question we have to ask is why HaKadosh Baruch Hu is so angry at them? To the point that he basically destroyed them. Why? The answer is, before I give you the answer, one more question I will ask. Paro is 100% a Nazi, right? He threw babies into the water. He wash his body with Jewish blood of, of babies because he had leprosy. So that's a monster. There's no question about it. That's the Nazi of those days, the Hitler of those days. Genocide. Let's kill, let's kill them. Let's kill every, every male that is born. That's genocide. That's a murderer, mass murderer. When the Chachamim speaks against Paro, obviously with... Uh, in, with, with, Hashem's, with Hashem's words, the Chachamim brings it to us. The Chachamim are only complaining about one thing. Asher lo Yosef. Chazal say, Ungrateful. What do you mean, Kfui If somebody asks you about Hitler, what can you tell us about him? What would you say? A monster murderer or ungrateful? What would you say? Did you know anyone who defined Hitler as an ungrateful person? No. Everybody knows mass monster, murderer. Murder millions of people. That's what people say. Imagine someone would tell you, you know what's the worst thing about Hitler? That he was an ungrateful human being. That's what you have to say about him? You forgot that he killed more than 50 million people? Destroyed the world? You focus on the fact that his personality traits were bad? And what do I, Hashem doesn't know it? Hashem doesn't know that Paro is the, is the Hitler of those days? Why the Chachamim do not highlight the fact that he's a mass murderer? Why? 
As bad as it is to be a murderer, there are certain things in the Torah that is worse than to be a murderer. In today's modern society, if you ask in every constitution, in every country, who is the biggest criminal, every country will answer you, a murderer. Thieves is bad, you know, all kinds of other criminals are bad, but a murderer is the worst thing on earth. That's why they give them either a death penalty or life in prison. But in a Torah, there are a few sins in a Torah that are worse than to murder. Who can give me two examples? Mechalel Shabbat. A Jew that doesn't keep Shabbat all day on his phone, pretending to be a Bachur Yeshiva, texting with the guys that they should meet on a hill or by the park, you know, and driving a car. Smoking cigarettes, sewing, riding <laughs> on Shabbat. You know, the 39 restriction has a much bigger punishment in the Torah than, than you should not kill. Should not kill is cherev, and mechalel Shabbat is skila. It's the worst punishment in the Torah. On top of it, a murderer doesn't have his, it's not a karet. The Torah doesn't say that a murderer nichreta nefeshai. Someone who's not Shomer Shabbat, it's a, it's a clear verse in the Torah that, that repeats 12 times that Hashem is cutting that soul from life of eternity. <coughs> These few texts, or smoking, or playing uh, all kinds of games on Shabbat, or driving a car, would cost him such a price that in a billion years he will not stop crying in Olam Abba for being Mechalel Shabbat. Just because he's a fool, he doesn't learn the severity of being Mechalel Shabbat does not change the reality. Even here in Israel, in a secular rotten law that was copied from the Goim, there is an halacha in the Israeli constitution. Not knowing the law does not erase the sin, the punishment. Punishment is coming. But I didn't have no idea. Connect me to a lie detector. I, I had no idea that that's not allowed in this country. I, I didn't know. You have to die. In Singapore, American guy from Colorado or LA comes and walks out from the airport, light uh, grass, drugs, medical grass, you know? It's in style now, medical grass. They found a way to fool the people. Medical grass. Walking around, Mr. Williams, Mr. Jackson, Mr. Christopher, walking around, excuse me, I give, show us your ID. What happened? We are police. Come with us, please. What's the punishment for that in Singapore? Death penalty. When you land in Singapore, by the airport, they give you a note. Welcome to the country for using and distributing drugs, you will get the death penalty. That's the welcome to Singapore. That's why in Singapore you don't have one gum on the floor. One cigarette you don't find on the floor. You walk on the street, the streets are cleaner than some people's houses. 
in America. <laughs> Why? Fear works. People complain about fear, but nothing works better than fear. I promise you that. So, Rabotai, what do we see over here? What do we see over here? That Mechalel Shabbat is skila vekaret. Also, Mishkeve Zachar. Toeva. Same thing, skila and karet. So now I want to ask you a question. A secular lawyer, doctor, chaver knesset, prime minister, judge in a Supreme, Supreme Court in Israel. If you will ask him, excuse me, sir, there are two people standing over here. One of them is gay and the other one is Mechalel Shabbat. And you say to him, which one of them is a bigger sinner? He said, I don't see any sinner here. I see two nice secular Israelis. <laughs> said, did you know that according to the opinion of the creator of the world, each one of them deserves stoning and karet? The judge will faint. Shame on you, you fascist, you racist, you vile animal. Right or wrong? If he could, he would stone you. Does it change reality? It doesn't change the reality that every one of them will get what Hashem said they'll get. They can bark as much as they want. It's not going to change what's coming for them. You are smart enough to know that already. You're sitting here in a holy place. By now you probably already know it. Just because people are afraid to talk about it, or modify it, or softening it, you know, making it softer, it's not going to change anything. The truth of Hashem will remain forever. And I'm going to prove it to you soon with the words of the Rambam. But before we get to it, I just want to conclude this beginning of what I started with Paro. The complaint against Paro is not that you decided to protect Egypt. It's not that you decided that there are not wanted illegal immigrants taking over Egypt. If that was the case, I promise you, I, wouldn't, I would not blame you for anything. You have the right to defend your country. But over here is an exception to the rule. These Jews, without them you would be already dead with all your people a long, long time ago. All of you would be starving to death. The fact that you are still alive, and you're eating, and you're swimming in money is only thanks to them. Now when I actually gave you your life, what is it like? Someone needed a kidney. He had one week to get a kidney or he died. And I went and donated a kidney to him. Right? I gave him life and as soon as he comes out of the hospital, I was staying in his basement as a guest which he allowed me to stay, he comes out of the hospital and kicked me to the street. If I didn't give him a kidney, he has the right to tell me leave my house. Doesn't owe me anything. After I gave him a kidney that saved his life, and he comes to me right after and say to me, I'm putting you in jail or in a working camp, or I throw you to the street to freeze to death, someone like that is the biggest criminal on earth in the eyes of Hashem. If you're still not convinced, I give you one last proof. The Torah say, every nation can convert. 
believe it or not, even Amalek, that it's mitzvah to wipe them out, if Amalek came to convert, you don't kill him. What's the proof? The Gemara says, The children, grandchildren of Haman, which is Aman Agagi, Amaleki, they converted to Judaism and they learned in Yeshivot, in Bnei Brak. How is it possible, right away? How come they didn't kill them? How they were able to convert and to learn Torah? What was the merit? There's a lot of questions about it. The answer is, because Haman received the ring from Achashverosh, and he told him, you can do with the Jews whatever you want. After Haman came and said that the, the Jews are weird, <coughs> they are different than us, they have different language that they speak in our country, they dress different, their religion is different, they're not loyal to the country, they're loyal to the religion. Give me permission, I'm going to give you 10,000 loaves of, of silver. Very experiment was wealthier than Achashverosh, who was in charge of 127 countries. Haman is an unbelievable story. He was a barber. How much money a barber can have? He would cut hair all his life without sleeping in Israel. He won't be able to buy a house. Haman was a barber. Hashem turned it around that he's about to put his children in the hand of this Nazi. So he made him extremely wealthy. The richest. Two people were extremely rich in the world. Korach and Haman. Korach by, by the Jews and Haman by the Goim. Until today in Israel, you hear Israelis, they, when they speak, they say, oh, they are shirka Korach. If you ask them, did you know what you just said? They have no idea. <laughs> they have no idea. Sometimes the Israelis say, Ani Udi beramach evarai veshasagidai. Tell him, wow, can you, can you explain to me what you just say? He has no idea. He, has, he doesn't know what ramach evarai and shasagidai. He just heard that people use this expression. They don't know what it means. In Israel you have another expression, yotze dofen, which means extraordinary, unique. Ask the Israeli, where this expression comes from, Yotze Dofen? I have no idea. Yotze Dofen literally means came from the side. What came from the side has to do with unique or extraordinary. What's the connection? The Gemara speaks about cesarean surgeries that they used to save babies by cutting the stomach and taking the baby out 2,000 years ago in Caesarean, that they still do until today. Because the baby came from the stomach and not in a normal way, so the Gemara call it Yotzeh, he came out, Dauphin, Dauphin means from the side. They cut a cut, pull the baby out. Because for every hundred deliveries, maybe one will be in Caesarean, it's, it's unique, it's not normal. So they called it Yotze Dofen. For 2,000 years they used this expression as something unique, something out of the ordinary, but I have no idea where it comes from. They never went to yeshiva.
I can give you hundreds of examples, but that's not the topic. One, one other example, HaKadosh Baruch Hu say, Lo yavo amoni umoavi bikal Hashem. Two nations cannot convert. Amon and Moab, children of Lot, they can never join the Jewish nation. Amalek, bedieved yes. Amon and Moab, even bedieved not. They can never be Jewish. Never. Why? Because when the Jews came out of Egypt, and they passed by them, instead of running and giving them some bread and water, they not only didn't give it to them, they had complaints. Hashem said, their grandfather Avraham Avinu saved your grandfather Lot, his nephew. So thanks to their grandfather Abraham, you have life. And you have the nerve to complain instead of running on your knees. Walk on my head when you pass in my property. And please take whatever you like. Why? Thanks to you, I'm alive. Without your nation, we wouldn't be here. But I already forgot. This was many generations later. Many generations later. But Hashem still held it against them forever. Why? You should have known your history. You are here thanks to them. You're not running to give them bread. I don't want to ever look at your face ever again. Please, do not dare to ever apply to become a Jew. What about the women? The women are allowed. Why? It's not modest that a woman will walk out in front of a man and offer bread. It's not, no, it's not modest. Imagine a Jewish Haredit here in Mea Sha'arim. Hey, excuse me, Itzik, you the Israeli soldiers who are guarding the neighborhood, I made you a special cake. I don't have to tell you where it can lead to. So it's, not, it's illegal. It's against the Torah. Since the Goyot... Hashem didn't expect them to come to the men, to the Jewish men, and, and offer food. There is no claim against them. From here we learn that even non-Jewish women, Hashem expects them to be modest all the time. Not just Jewish women have to be modest, because Hashem sonezima. Hashem hates lack of modesty no matter where it comes from. That's the answer to many Jewish girls that became Baalot Shuva. Now they want to sell all their expensive clothes that they bought that are not sanua. So there's a very common question. Rabbi, can I sell it to the goyot? There's a lot of Russian goyot here in Israel. Flooded. And Ukrainians and all kinds of others. They dress not modest. I can sell it online. <coughs> if I see Christina from Ukraine wants to buy my jeans with holes and all these skirts and whatever I had that it's a Shevirachem treif. I want to sell it to Christina. Allowed or not allowed? Based on this, it's not allowed. Why? Because even when she dresses like this, Hashem gets upset. He's not, he's not interested in such behaving. So what's the best thing to do? To trust Hashem that nobody ever lost from doing what he wants. Right now, in your own eyes, you burn $20,000 clothing. <laughs> Don't you ever worry. This 20000 must come into your budget one way or the other. Because it's not logical. Forget about what's written. Even before we learn, just common sense. Hashem hates Zima? Yes. Hashem doesn't want me to dress like that. He wants me to be Bat Israel Tznoah? Yes. 
I'm going to take $20,000 clothes of uh, all kinds of designers that I bought as a chilonit from Tel Aviv and put it right into the fire. I'm able to get the money back by selling it to Christina from Ukraine. I'll never wear it. But she will. I don't even want that. I don't want to make you upset even a little bit. I will burn it as my sacrifice. And Hashem is going to say, Miriam, very nice. Now I'm taking a big knife and sticking it to your back as appreciation for you burning $20,000 to honor me. Make sense to you or no? Do you know one human being that will do such a thing? You just burn $20,000 to do something for him and he turn around and take a knife and stick it in your back as appreciation. Do you know? I, I never met a person like this. Usually it takes a few days until he does it. <laughs> but right away, it doesn't happen. <laughs> so since we don't do things like this, we have to count on Hashem that He's a little bit more righteous than us. And He is not going to pay us ra'at ha'chatova. So what are you worried about? You did what's right, and soon I'm going to prove it to you in the words of the Rambam. You did what's right, the rest is not my business. He, he knows what's right. I did what's right. That's it. I don't sit with my watch and counting when will I get my reward. So what do we see from here, Abotai? Hashem cannot stand Kfuyei Tova. Kfuyei Tova is someone that is yeshiva cleaning and he hides. People volunteering and he hides. People are crying the destruction of Bet HaMikdash and he's hiding. Someone did something for him, two days later he doesn't even remember it. Someone hosting him in his house for Shabbat and he speaks Lashon Hara behind his back about what's happening in his house. His parents sending him money that he sits here and learn and become Gadol Torah. And his father asked him for a tiny thing of help. Oh, can't you find someone else to do it? That's, that's Fui Tova. Kfui Tova to his father, Kfui Tova to his rabbi, Kfui Tova to the Rosh Yeshiva, Kfui Tova to the Mashgiach, Kfui Tova to the neighbor who helps him, to his Chevruta, to the person who saved his Neshama, who made him a Baal Tshuva. I once made a Baal Tshuva who went in Yerushalayim to hang flyers against me. <laughs> you understand what kind of people we have in the world? They asked the Gaon Mivilna, someone is speaking very much about, about you, against you. So it's very strange. I don't remember I did any favor to that Jew. <laughs> What's behind what the, the Gaon said? If I would do favors to him, then he, he owes me gratitude. Akaratatov. Now I know why the Satan is sitting on his head trying to force him to become ungrateful. Because the Satan knows that there's nothing Hashem hates more than that. And the Satan is never settling for discount sin. He wants the maximum he can get. So if he didn't owe me anything and he speaks against me, it's a sin. If he owes me his life and he speaks against me, it's a million times bigger of a sin. The Satan can grab as much as he wants. That's why I don't understand why this person made it the mission of his life to speak against me everywhere. I don't remember doing him any favor, the Gaon Mivilna say. So what's the, the urge to run and do such things? 
after all of that introduction, I want to read to you three halachot in the Rambam. It's in Chot Shuvah, Perek Yud, chapter 10, halacha Aleph, Bet, and Gimel. This chapter has six halachot. They're all of them connected. But yes, we don't have the whole day, so I'm going to focus on the three one, on the first three. And it's very, very interesting, and then I'll connect it to what I said until now. The Rambam starts, Al Yomar Adam, a person should not say, Areni Yosem Mitzvot HaTorah, I am fulfilling the commandments of the Torah, Ve'osek Bechokhmata, gaining the wisdom of the Torah, Kedei She'ekabela Brachot HaKtuvot BaTorah. Why am I doing it? There are a lot of blessings in the Torah for the righteous Jews. I want to get those blessings. The way to get them is to follow the commandments. So I'm doing it to receive my reward. Or, that I should inherit my share in the next world, in the world to come. ואפרוש מן העבירות שהזהירה התורה מהן, כדי שאנצל מן הכללות הכתובות בתורה. I am forbidding myself to commit any one of those restrictions of the Torah, that I should get safe from the curses that are written in the Torah to the wicked people, or that I should not be cut from the afterlife. I don't want one of these 36 karets that are written in the Torah. In Chametz and Pesach is kared, in Yom Kippur is kared, Gilui Arayot is kared, Homosexuality is kared, Chilul Shabbat is kared, Avodah Zarah is kared, Eating Chelev is kared. There's a list of 36 sins. Kared is not, it's no joke. Even to connect, even to fix the kared, it must go through suffering. It's not enough tshuva. Perfect tshuva, it's still pending in your file. The good news is that you can choose what kind of suffering you will get. Instead of getting cancer or bankruptcy, or being single for 20 years, eating your heart every day, you can turn the suffering to something productive, meaning you're davening at 9, you're going to be in a shul 6.30 every day. It's hard to wake up, especially in freezing days. That suffering that you bring on yourself to be mehader in the Tfilat Shachrit, for instance, it's taking away the other suffering that Hashem intended to give you. Or doing act of chesed, going to give food to poor families, volunteering in Atzala. But the biggest, the biggest replacement for the suffering is to be a mel batorah. To devote your entire life for the Torah. Breaking your head in a Talmud. In Gemara. Not looking for shortcuts. Tosfot, Marsha, Rabbi Akiva Iger. Breaking your head. Giving up the nonsense, your device, all day, half of your life is going on this garbage. Devoted into Hashem's Torah. The effort of learning... The efforts of getting dressed in a certain code that you yourself would not like, but you sacrifice because you don't want to be an exception to the rule. Working on your character, fixing, your, getting rid of your ego, your pride, your anger, your laziness, your stinginess, your ungratefulness. So many bad things to, we have to fix. That everyday effort 
cancel all other suffering that God forbid people get when they have Isurei Karet for many years, when they were secular. If a person look for picnic, ah, there is Shachrit at 10.30 in Shabbos. 10.30, it's almost Mincha. It's, it's Yom Menucha. Ah, Yom Menucha, tov. It doesn't count like suffering. Everything by him. Shachri is 25 minutes. Showing up is as Yashir Moshe. It's give him enough time to put filin. Finish Monaisre. The Tachnun is already doing on the way out. That's Shachrit. That's a joke. I'm looking to do the minimum. So you're looking for easy life, meaning you want to live in a picnic, even though you supposedly became a Baal Tshuva. Chaval, you're losing. You could have become a real tzaddik with more efforts and that would cancel the suffering that I owe you for being 20 years mechalel Shabbat or for eating chametz and Pesach or for all kinds of other sins that you committed. Now you're forcing me actually to give it to you because it's a part of the tshuva. Chayav isurim, as the Rambam writes in Lechot Tshuva. But you can actually force Hashem to cancel the Isurim because I already bring Isurim on myself with my devotion to be a tzaddik. What is the point of giving me cancer? What is the point of taking away all my money? What is the point of keeping me 10 years single with no success in Shiduchim? Why? What do you want me to do? I already put so much effort in becoming a tzaddik. What is the point of adding more suffering? You got the concept here? Okay, so now the Rambam continues. That's not the best way to serve Hashem just for reward and punishment. Just for Olamaba to have it or Chaz Shalom to lose it. Someone who serves Hashem in this kind of way is serving Hashem with fear. He has fear. The fear makes him not do certain things or do certain things by force. It's not the level of the prophets. And not the level of the Talmidei Chachamim. ואין עובד את השם על דרך זה, אלא עמי הארץ, והנשים והקטנים. Who serves Hashem in such a way? Three kinds of people. Men that are עמי הארצות, ignorant. They don't go to yeshiva, they don't learn, they don't know גמרא, they don't know הלכה, nothing. Women, until less than a hundred years ago, women did not even go to school. There's no such thing of Jewish girl go to yeshiva or Bet Yaakov. So, for more than 2,000 years, women sat at home. And the only thing they knew is what they learned from their brothers. That's why it says, Chazal says, if you want to marry a woman, check who her brothers are. What's the connection between her and her brother? Her, her brother is a drug addict and she's a rabbit sent from Bet Yaakov. It's going to be the best wife in the world. With such devotion to Hashem, she doesn't want to look at this kind of brother that she has. Chalel Shabbat, doing horrible things. She doesn't want to even be near him. When she knows he's going to a place, she doesn't want to come. 
now she has to lose her life because she had such a brother? That's what really Chazal meant? Of course not. So what's the pshat? The pshat is very simple. You want to get a good girl? The only way you're going to find a good girl educated in Torah and Halacha and all the Halachot, if her brothers are Bnei Torah. They come home, they learn Gemara, they learn Halacha, they repeat what they learn in Yeshiva. So she's at home as a girl, she doesn't go to school. So she learns a lot of Torah in the, in the last 15 years, she, she was home. But if her brothers play Sheshbesh in Machne Yehuda all day, and watch Mondial, and go to all kinds of nonsense places, and they don't learn Torah, when they come home, what do they do? Play chess. Play cards. Gamble on roosters, who's going to run faster. That's what the Amaratzot do. So she never heard one Mishnah in her life, this poor girl. Girls didn't go to school. She doesn't know one halacha. Everyone in the house are mistakenly breaking every rule of halacha and Torah. You want a wife like this? Today doesn't apply anymore. Girls can take care of their own education. They go to yeshiva and they can become tzaddikot or not. It's up to them. So, Abotai, the Rambam continue. Someone that does that is either an ignorant amaretz or a woman or a child that didn't go to, didn't go to yeshiva yet. How do you raise a four-year-old child before he goes to yeshiva? No, no, no. If you don't touch it, I give you a candy. So he doesn't touch. That's what he understands, candy. If he touches it, he gives him a little patch on his hand, yeah, he begins to cry. Next time he does it again, you give him another patch, he got the point. How else you explain a three, four years old not to touch the electric? You don't want him to die. You encourage him by promising ice, promising ice cream. Or punishment if he will do it. One of the two will do the job. Same thing with your wife. Honey, if you cover your head, I'll buy you that BMW you're dreaming about. <laughs> really, Moshe? But you're very much against German cars. <laughs> but I'm very much against walking in the street without covering your hair. It's a little bit more critical than buying a BMW. So you will buy me a car? You're not afraid of Ainara? <laughs> of course I am. But I'm afraid of what's waiting for me, that my wife is the biggest machtiat arabim in Flatbush. <laughs> I have to do my calculation. If I have to lose $1,000 or $50,000, I'll go for the 1000 Right or wrong? There was an argument between a, man, an avre, a businessman and his wife. They were in Bnei Brak. The man was rich, but he lives in a community that everyone is an Avrech. They don't own, own car, they take buses. He has money. And he has a car, Mechukmak, you know, barely driving. His wife say, why do we have to live like poor people if Hashem blessed us with wealth? I want a minivan. You're out of your mind, minivan. It's not America over here. If I drive, we drive a minivan in a neighborhood like this, the whole neighborhood is going to put Ayn around us. And people barely pay their bills here. Arguing back and forth, they went to Rav Steinemann, Zatzal. <laughs> what a story. 
Rabbi, I want a minivan, and my husband doesn't want to buy. I suffer, I go with, with, with strollers to carry the babies. Why do I have to suffer? Why you don't want to buy your wife a minivan? I'm afraid of Ainara. Afraid of Ainara. That's the reason for me to suffer? It's a big argument. Sheila ilchatit ve ashkafatit. Ashkafa. Rav Steineman asked him, did you finish the Shas already? No, Rabbi, I'm not, uh, I'm not an Avrech. Tov, tov, I thought maybe I can t- test you on the Shas. Uh, how about if I test you about uh, one Masechet that you baki, that you know very well? You name it. Tell me which Masechet you want, let me fahir you. Ah, Masechet, Rabbi, I'm not, I'm not, I look to you like a Rabbi, ma? Masechet, the whole Masechet? No, 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 you're right, I should not exaggerate. One Perek. Give me any perik in the Shas that I can surprise you, ask you a few questions from different pages. Let's see what you gain in your life so far. Perik, Rabbi, I'm sorry, I'm embarrassed, you're embarrassing me. I think perik is too much. Okay, 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 no problem. I'm sorry, I'm sorry for putting pressure on you. One page. Give me one page in Agmara, any page you want. Let me ask you some questions, Rashi, Tosfot. What's the Pshat in Agmara? Can you give me one page like this? Thinking, thinking. <laughs> he cannot come up with one page. Said them, you can buy the minivan. <laughs> There's nothing to be jealous with you. <laughs> <laughs> buy the minivan. The same Rav Steinemann, one Litai came at 1 a.m. to his house. 1 a.m. He was 100 years old almost. And somebody knocks on his door at 1 a.m. The rabbit said, she opened the door. Can I help you? It's okay? Everything okay? I have an emergency question. I must speak to the Rav before tomorrow morning. Okay, let me tell him. <coughs> Lady me, I'm sitting learning Mara on his famous bed. He had a bed in his living room with a table. That's where he was learning, sleeping, eating, a culture. He walked in with his son. This was a Ashkenazi politician who wants to run to be the mayor of Nebrak. Tomorrow morning he has to submit the papers, the application with the check, if he's running for the election or not. After being there 10 minutes, he walked out with his son, smiling, happy. He came in very angry and, and concerned and walked with a big smile. The Rebetzin got curious. She came to Aaron Leif Steinemann. She said, what's the pshat? He came here so worried and uptight. And look at him. He's, so, he's glowing. He told her, he asked me if he should run to be the mayor of Bnei Brak or not. And what did you tell him? I told him, no. Why not? I told him, no one will vote for you besides your son. So she said, so you should be upset. Not happy. Why he was so happy? As Shenemann said, I guess he also thought that his son also won't vote for him. <laughs> so at least that it gave him some comfort, you know. <laughs> the Rambam continue. Second halacha. Aoved me'ahava. Someone that serves Hashem out of love. Osek batorah ubamitzvot. He learns Torah, he follows the mitzvot, he learns how to keep the mitzvot. It became the center of his life. 
עשה תורתך קבע ומלאכתך ארעי. צורה, עובד מאהבה עוסק בתורה ובמצוות והולך בנתיבות החוכמה. Follow the wisdom of the Torah. לא מפני דבר בעולם. Not for any personal interest. Not because he wants to be a rabbi, not because he wants to be a dayan, not because he wants to be in דגל או in שס, in a כנסת, or to have budgets, or to be ראש ישיבה, or to walk with a frack. Not, that's not of his concern. Why is he doing it? לא מפני יראת הרעה, not because he's afraid of a punishment, ולא כדי לירש הטובה, and not because he wants to get the reward from Hashem, אלא עושה האמת מפני שהוא אמת. Why are you following the religion with such devotion? Because that's the truth of Hashem. That's it? That's it. Nothing else? Nothing else, absolutely. We will connect you to a lie detector. Let's see if you say the truth. And the lie detector proof that he does it 100% for the sake of heaven. It's hard to find people like this in this generation. But there are. Vesofa tova lavo bichlal. The reward will come. It's always a package deal. Nobody ever lost from doing what Hashem commanded us in the Torah to do. It doesn't say in the Torah, Limud Bakalej Keneged Kulam. Today it's Pikuach Nefesh to step there. But to learn Torah, it's Keneged Kulam. And Bitul Torah, Keneged Kulam. Wasting your life not learning Torah on the scale is worse than all the other sins combined. Same thing, learning Torah is greater than all the mitzvot combined. Not learning Torah is worse than all the Averot combined. Every coin has two sides. I give you an example. If I offered you to come a cubic zarconia, I have it on my table, it's worth $20. I ask you to come take a ring, cubic zarconia, worth $25 with a ring. And you didn't show up. Your loss is minor. Very small loss. You, you, don't, you won't lose a night over it. If I offer you to come a real 10 carat diamond that worth $25 million and you didn't come to take it, that's not the same. You punished yourself over here a million times worse than the first person. Your level of stupidity is a million times worse than the first person. He is willing to be stupid. Somebody offering $25, he doesn't want to waste his time on it. The other person doesn't want, does not want to waste an hour to make $25 million. Why? Something in his head doesn't work. But there is also a personal insult against me. When I wanted to give you 25 and you don't want to come, you're insulting me a little bit. I want to give you a gift and you don't show up. When I want to give you 25 millions and you don't show up, tell me, get lost, I don't have time for you. The insult is a lot bigger. When Hashem say to you, I want you to do this mitzvah, not interested, that's an insult. When Hashem say, I want you to keep this mitzvah, that is equal, like all the other mitzvot combined, multiplied by millions. Because every letter that comes out of your mouth in this room 
is mitzvah from the Torah. Did you know that? You read now in a Gemara. Amar Abaye. How many words? Amar three. Abaye another four. Seven letters. Seven mitzvot deoraita. Every letter mitzvah deoraita. The Chafetz Chaim did the calculation. In one hour you can keep 60,000 mitzvot deoraita multiplied by 10 hours a day if you're a serious student. 600,000 mitzvot per day. Every day. Multiply by how many years you sit and learn. Imagine this. Every second it counted like you put fill in. One, two, three, four, five, six. All day like this. Big mitzvah filling. Limut Torah is greater. Eating matzah. Lela seder. Mitzvah doraita. Limut Torah is greater. Giving tzedakah. Saving life. Limut Torah is greater. Doing viduim, tikunim, gilgule shelek, fasting, torturing yourself. Limut Torah is greater. No matter what you're going to do, the answer will always be, Limut Torah can neget kulam. Chachamim knew what's the highest and the most precious thing in life. And you're not grabbing it? Torah munachat bekeren zavit ve'en mi yavo ve'itol? Coming five minutes late to the shiur. Where were you? Sorry, Rabbi, I was stuck in lunch. I was on a call. If you knew that at 1, 1 p.m. or 3 p.m. when you start the second seder, that the rabbi is taking out bags with diamonds, and the first ones who come gets the best one, you will ever be late? <laughs> you would sleep the whole night when the rabbi shows up in the morning. You know, by the way, before you give out the diamonds, I'm here from last night. Look at the goyim. How they stand in a, in a Friday, what they call it, Black Friday, from the night before by Walmart. They sleep in a parking lot to save $20 on a screen that they can watch Mr. Jackson throw a piece of leather. Fighting, fist fight. When they open the thing, how they run like in a zoo. Fighting, pushing, grabbing it. This is a very, very big problem for us. They are killing each other for their stupid culture. And we have Torah Temet, and nobody kills anyone for it. Nah, you can go. You go in front of me, no problem. Why? Because it's nothing in your eyes. The reward of every hour of Torah, it's not equal. Reuven gets something, Shimon can get a hundred times more for every hour. Why? Because Hashem takes to consideration thousands of different reasons. What kind of brain you have, what, what, what family you come from, how much your parents are promoting you learning Torah or they're against it, how much they drive you crazy to go to the filthy place full of goyim with naked people over there, with all kinds of uh, abomination people. They want you to sit over there. Maybe you have a degree, even though they have $100 million in their bank accounts, but they worry that God forbid you won't have a degree that, you know, maybe their friends would say that your son is stupid, he didn't go to college. Because they don't understand the value of the Torah. Some kids are lucky. Their parents stay in yeshiva. We'll pay everything, don't worry. We have money. Shem gave us money, there's a reason for it. You don't have to worry. But Abba, I'm going to have to get married, I'm going to have to buy one day a house. All on me. Just, as long as you learn, I pay everything for you. 
Some parents are the exact opposite. As long as you learn, you're not getting money from me, but you're giving to a lot of other places. But I want to take you out of yeshiva that I want you to be a lawyer to help rapists go back on the street. <laughs> That's what I want you to do. Or to help people cheat the government, how to trick them with the taxes or whatever. Or to help pedophiles. That's what I want you to be. You don't want me to be as a Rosh Yeshiva Chashuv one day or as a, as a Talmid Chacham Retzini? Some parents don't understand. Sometimes you can't even blame them. That's the culture they came from. So it depends how much pressure you have, how much support you have, what kind of brain you have, how much money you have in your pocket, and how much you value the Torah. I'll give you an example. If you sit here now and learning, and a contractor walks in, guys, I need emergency three workers. <coughs> I have a big job here in Arnof. The Arabs didn't show up. They closed the gate. I will pay, I know you're all Americans, so I have to pay you in dollars. What can I do? I cannot show up without workers. I will pay you $50 an hour for the day. I need you for about eight hours. 400 bucks. Why not? Good money. In Israel, they don't make it in two weeks of work. Right away, Reuven gets up. Right before somebody else will get out, he runs. Take me, take me. Reuven just wrote that one hour of Torah worth for him less than $50. And that's going to be his reward for the Torah that he learns. Hashem will know spiritually how to translate $50 to the reward he gets in Olam Abba. His friend, he said, come, Moshe, come. No, you're crazy, I'm learning. But how, how else are you going to make $400 in one day? Come, one day you don't learn. You have some money, you know, you can buy yourself all kinds of drinks, iced tea, this, that. One day you sacrifice, but you have a peace of mind. I'm not leaving the Gemara now. The guy comes to Moshe, Moshe, don't tell him. To you, I'm going to give a hundred. You sure? Yeah, I'm desperate. Nobody wants to come. Come for a hundred. Okay. He gets up. His hour of Torah equal to 100. That's what he's willing to sacrifice to lose Torah. The third person says, I'm going to give you 300. Don't tell them. I need one more guy. I'm begging you. I must have another guy. 300. I don't come. 500. I don't come. He wanted to test him. Give $3,000 an hour. Come. I don't come. Someone like that, it's endless reward for every hour he learns. Because he shows Hashem, I believe what Chazal said. money. is the best example. Your Torah for me is better than all the money and the gold and the diamonds in the world, even though I'm a king. I can give up all of that in a second and I should become a Bachor Yeshiva. Now, how do you know that David really meant it? I can also say it. You can also say it. It doesn't mean that we are 100% with it. Because Hashem doesn't put lies in the Tanakh. It's a Pasuk in the Tanakh. In the book of Hashem. There's 24 books in Judaism. That's the Tanakh. It's written over there. If it was a lie, Hashem knows that David says something, but means the opposite. He would put it in the Tanakh. All of us read a lie for the rest of our life, for 3,000 years. 
Absolutely not. Going back to the Rambam, the Rambam said, so the reason you do it is only because it's the truth. It's just a matter of time, X amount of time, Hashem knows how much, that the reward will follow. And this level is a great level of whom? Of Avraham Avinu. That he loved me so much that he will do everything for me, including sacrificing his only son that he waited 75 years for him since he got married. 75 years barren with him and his wife, no kids. And in a minute, he's willing to sacrifice him without one thought against Hashem. Forget about words. That's what made Avraham great. We would also sacrifice our son if Hashem told us, because we had no other way. <laughs> what can we do? But we would have a lot of thoughts against Hashem. How can he do it to me? How did he trick me like this? He promised me, He sent me to the Goim to tell them not to kill their babies. And now he makes a fool out of me? The whole world would make fun at me after giving them speeches, how great is Hashem, how great is the Torah. Do not sacrifice your, your, your kids to the God. And everybody now is going gonna, gonna to be the joke of the town for thousands of years. That I am the great Abraham, the preacher, that warned everyone not to be this way, became worse than all of them. And he still did not have one thought against Hashem. It's the highest level you can get. That's why Hashem called him Abraham or Avi. Shekrao HaKadosh Baruch Hu Avi lefi shelo avad ela. Ela means only me'ava. This is what Hashem commanded us through Moshe Rabbeinu, with all your hearts, with your soul, with your money. Once he loves Hashem, you don't have to threaten him. You don't have to tell him about Gehenom and Kafakela or Chas Shalom sicknesses in this world. None of that applies to him. Why? I'm so in love with Hashem. You're talking to me about punishments. It's an insult. Now the third halacha and we conclude. Let's define the worthy level of love. What's really the way, the way it should really be. Should love Hashem a huge love. Yetera, very, very high. Rabba, big. Aza, strong. Ad meod, to the highest level. That you feel they have nothing in your life besides Hashem. That's why we say, Shiviti Hashem lenegdi tamid. Venimtza shogeba tamid. You walk on the street, Hashem is with you. You get dressed, Hashem is with you. You sit and learn, Hashem is with you. You come to Daven, Hashem is with you. You go to Nichum Avelim, Hashem is with you. You go to a wedding, Hashem is with you. Every second of your life, you connect. Keilu choli It's like you're mentally sick. You cannot stop with that. Like, in, like an addict. She'en da'atam pnuya me'avat ota isha. Now the Rambam gives an example that we can connect to, to understand. Person fell in love with a woman. He went with her on a few shiduchim. She is the perfect girl. 
every mahala she has. Tzadika, irat shamayim, tznua, beautiful look, great family, great midot, devoted, love Torah, want you to sit and learn. I'll support you, don't worry. You just, I just want you to be a Ben Torah. That's what, what else you can ask for? So now after a few dates, that's it. She stole your heart. You sit with your chevruta in a shiur. Itzik, no? Ah, where are we? He's not here. He, his mind is, how can I survive until tomorrow's night date? He cannot think. It's waiting for, wow, how am I going to make it until I get engaged, until the Omer will pass. Oh my God, what a terrible timing. Now the Omer is coming. I have to wait until Lagba Omer. It will break my heart. All it is, the Rambam, when you sit, you think about her. When you get up, you think about her. When you eat and drink, you think about her. That's how you should have the love of Hashem in your heart. Just like you're in love with this girl you're about to get married. And you're counting the seconds. I'm sick from loving. I mean, it's beyond words. I want to conclude. The Rambam say one thing here that we have to analyze. Don't do it for the reward and don't avoid restriction because of the punishment. But it's written in Pirkei Avot. That's the advice of the Chachamim. The advice of the Chachamim, it's written in Pirkei Avot that do not be a servant al menat leshamesh et arav, al menat lekabel pras. So it's exactly like the Rambam say. But on the other hand, it's written by David Amelech, I keep your commandments for the reward that you put aside for those who fear you. Lirecha, for those who follow you. So David Amelech, which is one of the foundation of our nation, writes in Tehilim, one of the reasons I keep the mitzvot, because I know you have a, a great reward that you put aside for those who follow you. In the Torah, it's written that Hashem told us that uh, is torturing us. And what does it say right after that? That I should reward you in your end. Also, the whole Shema Israel is reward and punishment. So the answer is, Rabotai, I do not want it to be the main reason. Why do you do it? Because that's the truth. Why also you do it? Because Hashem is faithful to keep His word. I'm not working for nothing. Why you're not doing it? Because it's the truth. Hashem said you should not do it. Why else you're not doing it? Because I'm afraid what's coming for me if I'll do it. I don't want to get Hashem upset. Why should I bring on myself curses or punishments or whatever? But now I want to tell you something. There are two ways of making Baalei Tshuva. That's the famous argument. One is strict. You say it as it is. People begin to shake. Few of them become religious and some of them run away. They don't want to hear. Then you ask the other rabbi, excuse me, why is it so soft? Such a soft approach. 
allow them to do anything. You only give them compliments. What about Mechalel Shabbat Mot Yumat V'nichreta Anefeshai? Wake them up. Shake them up a little bit. Without knowing the price, people are refusing to change. I'm afraid to turn them off. Maybe they won't come anymore, but it's been going on for 10 years. At one point, you see, it's not working. That's our style. Darkea, Darke Noam. Which one of the two she taught is a met? The truth is, it's a very hard question. It also depends who you're dealing with. Some person can handle the truth, and only that he wants. I remember I used to give shiurim. The whole sidra of the Mesilat Yesharim that I did in Hebrew was in an apartment in Queens. I had about 25 Bukharian teenagers, 18, 19, 20. I used to go there once a week to do the shiur. One time I came and I said to them, today we're going to learn this sugiya. After five minutes, they said, Azov, Azov, Kvodarav, Azov. Tell lanu p'tzatzot. <laughs> Throw bombs at us. We don't want to learn this. We live in such a dirty environment. It's very hard to be a kosher Jew here. The one time you come a week and give us two hours of bombs, dropping it on our head, keep us going for another, two, two, you know, another week. Keep us in religion. We're not interested. Just Musar we want. And we want strong one. Tell us all the truth. Don't be afraid. All of them are Bnei Torah today. Why? Hashem put together. They want to hear the truth. Sometimes you go to a place, you're just hinting that there are punishments in the Torah, five people get up and leave. They don't want to hear. They're afraid before you will elaborate some more, they will feel guilty. So immediately they run. Like it's going to change the reality. So now I'm going to tell you the words of the Rambam. Who, who took my phone to charge it? Can you bring it with the charger? I just wrote it in my phone. I can say it by heart, but I'd rather read it to you. That you can go later. It's the introduction to More Nevuchim. Most people don't know it because most people don't learn this book. It's a complicated book. It can confuse a lot of people. Chazaku Baruch. It can confuse a lot of people. But I will read to you the words of the Rambam that it's in the introduction, the Akdama of More Nevochim. And after that, you'll get the answer to this question. And then I will give some time for questions if you have more questions to ask. So the Rambam says, I am the man this is the general rule. The Rambam, Rabotai Rambam, in case you didn't know, is Gdola Poskin. According to everyone, Sfaradim, Ashkenazim, Hasidim, Temanim, everyone accepted the Rambam to be Gdola Poskin. 90% of Shulchan Aruch is the rulings of the Rambam. So there's no arguments that we didn't have any bigger Posek than the Rambam in the history of the Psika. The last thousand years of poskim, tkufat arishonim until now. And this is what the Rambam writes. Klalo shel davar, ani agever, asher im nisgar svivo hadavar. You're making like an ambush around me. You're closing on me. Vetsar lo amavar. You're closing the door. I barely can go through. Soon it's going to be too late, right? 
נסגר סביבו הדבר וצר לו המעבר ולא אמצא עצה ללמד אמת I analyzed the situation, I did not find any better way to teach the truth שהוכח, the truth that is proven אלא, only, על ידי כך שיתאים למעולה האחד ולא יתאים לעשרת אלפים שכלים I will make it easy for you to understand. A speaker comes to give a speech in a 10,000 stadium. 10,000 people sitting in a stadium. 10,000 חילונים. He goes to college, 10,000 Jews showed up, sitting in a football field by the stadium. He has to give them now a speech, proving to them that Torah is divine, there is a God, life is not a picnic, there's afterlife, all these things. He begins to give his proofs and reads parts from the Torah. One person sits in the first row, nodding with his head, getting excited. You can see by the minute how, how inspired it is. While 10,000 people are getting angrier every minute. Boo, who brought this fanatic speaker? <coughs> Why, you, why we have to be here? Shh, it's a part of the program. It's soon ending. No, they get angry. One, inspired. 10,000 wants to kill the rabbi. Today, if you ask, Rabbi, maybe you better give up. It can cause a damage. Okay, okay, Rabotai, you don't want to hear, I understand you, goodbye. Before, it's going to be a big damage. Let's see what the Rambam says, you'll be shocked now. The Rambam says, ולא אמצא עצה ללמד אמת שהוכח, אלא על ידי כך שיתאים למעולה אחד. It would suit one superb Jew in a high level, ולא יתאים לעשרת אלפים שכלים. It will not fit the 10,000 fools that's sitting here. הרי מעדיף לאומרו בשבילו, I rather say it for that superb Jew ולא אחוש לגינוי אותם ההמון המרובים and I can care less at all I can care less about the complaints of the large majority ואטפל בהצלת אותו הנעלה היחיד ממה שנלכד בו I will put all my attention and effort in that superb Jew to save him from his trap. I will show him the right direction because right now he's confused. Until he will become in a perfect way, meaning a real bad tshuva, and he gets saved. What about the 10,000 who gets angry? What about the complaints they're going to have? I can care less about it. Now I want to ask you a question. With all due respect to the Rambam, I mean, none of us can contradict the Rambam, but we want to understand. Now, I agree one million percent with what he said, but I also like to ask questions that coming from the opposite side, like this, we, we go to the bottom of the truth. Why the Rambam is not afraid that while he's actually helping one Jew, he's damaging 10,000. In the end, as far as Hashem's concerned, one Jew became a big tzaddik, 
we got a new Baba Sali in the world, and 10,000 now are more allergic to religion. Next time when you invite them to come, they don't want to hear about it. They didn't like the speech. They didn't like to hear that Mechalel Shabbat mot yumat v'nichreta nafsho. They don't want to hear it. Why the Rambam is not afraid? We, we have to give a logical answer. Who can give me the answer to this question? It's a critical question. Yes? Um, what about the, the fact that one tzaddik, right, could save a whole town? So that tzaddik could be worth more than all those 10,000 people. Right? But let me tell you this. Let's say before the lecture started, we have 10,000 Jews in a stadium. Each one of them is in level 20 from 100. A little bit traditional, they barely keep anything. Level 20 out of 100. Once I come and I give my speech, one of those people will go from 20 to 90 or to 100. And all the other ones will go from 20 to 10. So 10,000 people went down by 10 points. You do the math. It's 100,000 points. So I gain from 20 to 100, I gain 80 points. And I lost 100,000 points. But it's worth it. Is it worth it to invest 100,000 points to make 80 points? No. Oh, you had Abraham Avinu, he was praying to Hashem to save Saddam. Even 10 said he came 5, right? You got it wrong. Why? But it's not your fault. A lot of speakers make this mistake. Abraham never daven for Hashem to save Saddam. Abraham davened to Hashem not to kill the righteous people that are in Sodom with the wicked. The wicked they should go, you know where. I just don't want, God forbid, that the righteous people will die. If you destroy the place, righteous people will get hurt. Maybe there are righteous people over there. And that's when the negotiation began, 50, 45. The whole conversation was about only the righteous people. A lot of people modify the truth because they want to back up their, their false agenda, that Hashem loves the wicked, and it's wrong. Read in the Rambam, in Luchot Shuvah. The Rambam says, yesterday was hated, and despicable, and abomination, and pushed away, and today is loved, and welcome, and a friend of Hashem. What changed? He became a tzaddik. When he was a rasha, none of the things applied to him. And David Amelech writes, Mesanecha Hashem Esna, and I can give you 500 proofs, but that's not the topic right now. The point was here, why Rambam is not afraid that by one speech you help one and you damage many. Like they say, you're afraid to turn them off. Yes? So, um, these people that all came in with level 20, all of them didn't know what, you know, what was right or what was wrong, what's the truth and what's, what's a lie. Saying the truth, you cannot be, you can't be concerned with other people's preconceived notions or people's, I guess, disbelief in certain things. This one guy that he didn't know, now he's educated, now he can make better choices for himself. So these people, these 9,999 people, they were, if they knew from the get-go, they were going to still make the bad decisions. So it's better to keep it the way it is and, and in the hopes that now they know in the future maybe they can come back. One smart Baal Tshuva that I had from Atlanta, Ashkenazi, who came to Yeshiva in Monsi, he asked, that, he asked one of the mashgichim where he went to learn. He said, I want to bring Rabbi Mizrahi to give a strong Musar talk. It was Elul. They say... 
We love him very much, but we're afraid that he's too strong for you guys. You just started, you know. We want to wait with that. He said to him, but we all listen to him anyway on the CDs at night. So what's the difference? <laughs> now it's going to be live. We can ask questions. So the rabbi said, we're afraid to turn you off. And this smart Ashkenazi told the rabbi, you can only turn off someone that is on. But here everyone was off all their life. Finally, somebody ignited them. And you want him to go back to be off. They're already off. How can you turn off a device that is off? But that's besides the point. I'll give you the answer and we'll finish here. The Rambam is a super, super genius. Meaning, just when we think we thought about everything, we didn't even think about 1% that the Rambam already analyzed in his brain. Obviously, for us, in our level, we would think we can, get, we can lose more than we gain. That's the first thought that comes to mind. We get nervous. That's why we become very, very, you know, soft. How all of a sudden are you going to be brave to say the truth as it is? You need to, something to back, back up your, 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 your shit on. The answer is very, very simple. It's much more simple than what you think. When Hashem gave the Torah in front of millions of people, in a public event, they heard the Ten Commandments, they read the entire Torah, they got Torah Shebaal Peh. They read now in the Torah, everything that it's written in the Torah was given to every Jew, from the highest level to the lowest level. Kids go to pre-1A and begin to learn Chumash. Then first grade, second grade, by, by second grade they already know all the parashot. They read in the Torah what's the end of Mechalel Shabbat, what's the end of Mishkave Zachar, what's the end of idol worship. Moshe is using it to tell them, Enechem Arot, et asher Hashem, to the people that went after Baal Peor. Hashem wiped them all out. The entire Ma'amad Ar Sinai was with fear. Shaking, fire, voice of shofar, parchanishmatam, everyone died. The angel has to go bring back their souls. They died from fear. Why Hashem didn't play Mozart a little bit? Jasmine smell, beautiful violins in the background. My children, I'm so in love with you. I love you so much. I'm giving you a book. If you like it, keep it. You don't like it, no hard feeling. I love you so much. It's an unconditional love. Do whatever you like. That's not how it was. You're not going to keep it. I'll bury you under this mountain. Why? What is going on here? In America, they would say, don't be a bully. You know? What's the most common complaint? In America, do you know? In this generation. It's so abusive. Every little thing, abusive. Ma, you didn't give me water, you only made yourself. I'm sorry, I didn't think about it. You're so abusive. All of a sudden, 911. <laughs> Why, you don't give your children uh, Coca-Cola? Only water? You're abusive. Ah, go back two generations in Syria to your grandparents, see? Abusive. People age five, six already came to work in a business to help. Rav Ovadia went to work in a grocery of his father. There was no worker. Mazal Gadol Rav Ezra Atiyah saw it coming. He went and saved him. He said, I'll work for you. 
father got upset, I mean, embarrassed, well, Rosh Yeshiva is going to walk in the cutting cheese, send Ovadia back to Yeshiva and the rest is history. So once Hashem wrote in the Torah, it's all public information. Ah, some people read Mechalel Shabbat Mot Yuma, they get angry. They start to develop hate against Hashem, God forbid. They have all kinds of complaints against the Torah. They run away. They drop out of yeshiva. It happened. You cannot deny it. They read what the Torah says about them, about their sin, and they got angry. Now, when Hashem gave the Torah, did He know it's going to be people like that? He obviously knew. Did He know all the future? Absolutely. He still wrote it in the Torah. Now, we have a rule in Judaism. You don't save one Jew with the blood of another Jew. Give us one Jew, if not, we'll kill 10,000 of you. You're not allowed to give. The Goim came with knives. Give us this guy, Mr. X. If not, we'll kill all of you, 10,000 in town. You're not allowed to give them. But they killed 10,000. It's not in our hand, it's in Hashem's hand. Not always losing more than gaining is a reason not to do the right thing. That's the chidush here. Some people would read the Torah and run away from me. They get angry at me. They'll be, do, they'll be heretics. They'll do kfirah. They'll do all kinds of horrible things. That's their problem. I still want every Jew to know the truth. As painful as it is. Things that Hashem didn't want every Jew to know, He puts in Kabbalah. Hidden. Only one out of a thousand knows it. And the opposite. Certain things Chazal said, don't say it in front of Amaritz. I, in the beginning of my uh, career as a speaker 27 years ago, in the first few years, I used to bring a lot of midrashim. Because I myself was so excited from the midrashim. It's secret. Then I started to see that people leave the main thing and focus on things that are not so important. And it, re- and it makes them confused. Then I decided I'm not bringing any more midrashim in my midrashot. Lama? It's going to raise all kinds of questions. People don't have a munah anyway, the, the audience I speak to. I lose more than I gain. Then I saw that the Chachamim even say, you should not say certain things in front of Amearatzot. Why? When he's going to become Bachur Yeshiva and learn for a few years, he can learn any Midrash he wants. Everything will fall into place. You have to know what to say. But once it's written in the Torah, no one has permission to modify the Torah. No one. You cannot come to people and say, oh, don't worry about it, it's fine. It doesn't apply to you. No, no, no. Of course, you have to be clever. You have to see who the person is. Not everything up front, it takes time. But in the end, the Rambam say, I will say the truth to save the men of truth. And the people get angry about the truth. That's the problem. I have to do what's right and save that one. Those who want to be saved, I will save them. That's what yeshivas are for. Chazonish say yeshiva is bet refuah. It's a hospital. There's hospital for the body, there's hospital for the souls. If you have a hard case in yeshiva, you don't throw the kid out. Why you don't throw him out? If you have a, a, a patient in a hospital with a complicated uh, heart case, it's a complicated 10-hour surgery and you need three surgeons. It will cost the hospital a lot of money and time. So you know what? Put his bed on the street. Too much. With the time we waste on him, we'll, we'll help other, other patients. There's no such thing in hospital. 
You have an easy case in a yeshiva, and you have a hard case in yeshiva. Everyone with his yetzerara. Rav Shlomo Zalman Orbach Zatzal asked one of his Talmidim, can you go to the hospital, I think it was Adassa, one of the Jerusalem hospitals. They threw out this old man. He was in hospital for two days, and now it's snowing, and they took him out, and he's a homeless. Convince them to keep him a few more days in hospital until the cold wave will pass. The guy went, he made a big deal out of there. Okay, bring him back. They put him back in a hospital in a warm bed for three more days. Then he became warm, they took him out. But when he came back to Rav Shlomo Zayn Orbach, Rebbe, we did it. <laughs> so the Rav Shlomo Zayn Orbach said, why are you so glowing and so happy? He said, because I was able to get the old man back into a warm bed instead of freezing on the street. Rav Shlomo Zayn Orbach told him, but you had to lie for it. How can you ever be happy that a lie came out of your mouth? Allah Hakli, it was the right thing to do. Better than he die. If that's pikuach nefesh, you're allowed to lie. But the fact that you lie should make you upset for a while that a lie came out of your mouth. I'm so sorry that I had to use this trick to get somebody to save his life. But I had to say something that is not a met. They think in a different level. What needs to be done, needs to be done. But we have to fix ourselves from within, you know, from inside, from the foundation. Bezrat Hashem, I hope everyone that sits here, I know you came from the funeral of Rav Ba'adani, Zatzal, Zchutoy again Alenu. It wasn't easy, probably, in Bnei Brak, going all the way. But first of all, it's a great thing, because Hashem see that young boys coming from America, sitting in yeshiva, growing in spirituality, leaving everything, going to pay respect to a big Chacham who gave his life for the Torah, 94 years. And you know, the Yemenite, it's a very holy nationality. In Teman, you never had one Mechalel Shabbat in the history of Yemen. In every country, you have few or many. In Teman, never one Mechalel Shabbat in 2,600 years. Think about it. The Temanim that came, they were so down to earth, so simple. I don't want to say the word naive because it doesn't sound good, but they fooled them. They stole their children. They forced them to become a Chalalei Shabbat by putting them in places without work. You want to work, you have to come to the kibbutz to cut weeds on Shabbat. And they turned 80% of them to Chalalei Shabbat and criminals and gangsters. I speak in the jails. It's full of Temanim full of Sfaradim that came here religious, and the Tzionim that were here, the Kamenis, anti-Torah people, forced them to become Goyim. Until some of them changed their sex, made surgery, became a woman, things that you would never believe. Like a, a spiritual holocaust. This is one of the survivors of the holiest people who came here many, many years ago, from a very down-to-earth place, the only etrog that for sure it's etrog is Yemenite. You know why? Because nobody over there knew how to mix it with lemon. Nobody knew. It was down to earth, simple, no college, no communist education, no heresy, no lack of modesty, no mechalelei Shabbat, no atheist, no people who stands in Tel Aviv and, and scream that they want to destroy and burn the Torah. And spit in the face of Hashem, Hashem irachem, how they talk. You didn't have it in Yemen. That's why when you finally had a chacham, temani, 
זה דיפרנט ליג. This is one of the... זהו, זה, I don't know if there's anyone left. We slowly, slowly lost almost all the big Svaradim that we had in the world in the last 25 years. Few more Ashkenazim left that they are close to 100 years old. That's very sad, because the sheep lose the shepherds. But there's also good news here. And we finish with something optimistic. The Gemara says, Ben David One of the conditions is that there will be no giant Chachamim anymore. They can have thousands of average Chachamim, but leaders to, to maneuver, to, to lead, to control the entire generation, slowly, slowly, one by one, leave the world. Mamash, one after the other. Chacham Shalom coined five months ago. Rav Ovadi a few years before. Look what happened. Now we have Rav Mazuz left, or another few more Chachamim, but they're all in a late age. By the Ashkenazim, you still have few, and that's it. Once they go to heaven, we must have Mashiach. Otherwise, we miss the train. Because if we're not going to have a leader, what's going to happen? Sheep goes everywhere. Hashem would lose the little that he has. The 20% are still connected to him right now. They're supposed to be saved. We say it in the Kedushah of Shabbat, in Musaf. And Chazal say, 20% came out of Egypt, 20% will be saved in days of Mashiach. In the end, the last Geula, just like the first Geula of Mitzrayim. We want to be among the 20% that will be saved. Every one of you. And the way to do it is only one. Torah and Gemilut Chassadim. The Gemara says, And we'll survive. Torah and Gemilut Chassadim. No pride, no ego, no anger, and definitely no ungratefulness. Judaism is all about gratefulness. Mode, that's Judaism. Four words, four letters. Mode is Mode al Aimet, and Mode milashon Toda. Somebody asks you, what's the two pillars of Judaism? Person has two legs. What's the two legs of Judaism? One, Modea Laimet, the truth. Second, gratefulness. And it's one word. Same word, two meanings. Same spelling. Mem, Vav, Dalet, Hey. It's Modea, meaning I agree, I admit. And I thank you. And that's what Judaism is all about. If we'll be ungrateful, we're going to have a big damage, defect in our Judaism. Chaz v'shalom, full of ego. We go against Hashem. Hashem said, be humble. What do you, who do you think you are? Put your ego down. Be down to earth and devote your life for Torah. And this is the place to do it right here. Lev Aaron. You know what's special about the Lev of Aaron? It was pure. Everyone loved him. He gave his life for Klal Yisrael. Oev shalom, rodef shalom. Mekarev tabriot la Torah. Now one person hated him in the time he passed. Moshe had opposers. He saw, fighting this. Aaron, kulam avuto. He gave his life for Klal Yisrael. This place, Baruch Hashem, many years. Take kids who grow up, public school, this, that. Bring them in. I meet some of them after years that they already graduate here and move on with their life. You see, the, you see the, what they gained here. You see. But... The cow cannot feed the, the calf if the calf doesn't want to eat. 
The rabbi wants to give, the yeshiva wants to give, but if people would have their head somewhere else, it's not going to work. That's why we need devotions, rabotai, devotion. Devotion, help one another. Not to go to bad places here in Yerushalayim. Cut the, the garbage and the nonsense out of your lifestyle. Restrict your phone. Don't go to forbidden places. Phone can destroy the life in an hour, in a minute sometimes. Chaval, one leg in the Torah, one leg in Gehenom. Chaval. Do it right. If you do it, you're already here. You're right by the well. Drink. You came all the way to the well, you're not going to use it? People that came to the well and didn't drink eat their heart much more than people who never came to the well. Because I was there and I died from thirst. I never went there, at least I didn't bother, so I'm dying. But I went for miles. I finally got there and I wasted my time on the streets of Yerushalayim or in the, in the screen of my phone. You get the point here or no? Yes. So what do we do? So we love the boys so much. So we go to the room, help them bring them down. They want to, we offer them a beautiful class. They say, Rabbi, I'll be there. I'll be there. A few minutes, I'll be there. I'll just want to finish up. What, what, you ask what you do? You bring me from time to time to shake them up. <laughs> Hopefully he will help. Baruch Adonai Le'olam, Amen ve'amen. Rabbi Hanani Yabed HaKashia Omer, Ratzak Adosh Baruch Hu, Lezakot et Yisrael, Efichach Hirba Laim Torah Mitzvot, Shenemar Adonai Chafetz Leman, Sitko Yagdil Torah Ve'adir, Gadal Ve'itkadar, Shemer Abba, Ve'almad Ivera Kirote, Ve'amir Machote, Ve'atzma Pukane, Ve'ikadar,